Uh, thank you, uh, brothers and sisters, for joining us today in this Bible study, the BQA, brought to you by the Assembly of Yahushua. Our topic is about the abomination of desolation for many. Uh, this is a topic that they've heard every once in a while, but perhaps are not really sure what exactly the abomination of desolation is all about. So this is the question we're going to answer in today's episode of the Bible question and answer. What, so what is the abomination of desolation? And why do we even bother to know all about it? The book of Matthew 24 and the verses 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. So here our king is the one speaking, Yahushua, is giving instruction to his disciples and answering their questions about the end times. The end times, of course, will include events that will transpire long after the death of the apostles. And so it is relevant to us, we who belong to the last generation. This is why we need to look into this prophecy. And we are told by our King Yahushua, that when this prophecy is going to be fulfilled, it will be fulfilled when there's a temple because the abomination of desolation will be standing in the holy place. This is in reference to the temple. So what this implies is in the future, before the return of our King Yahushua, there's going to be a temple that will be standing. And so Yahushua tells us something's gonna happen to that temple, something called the abomination of desolation. Now, what is the abomination of desolation all about? For us to understand, Yahushua points us to a prophet. His name is Daniel. And so he basically is telling us, read the prophet Daniel. We studied the book of Daniel in the past. We're going to review it just a little bit today because it is the source of our understanding concerning the abomination of desolation. So what is it? Let's go to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on a wing of the temple, he will set up the, an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. So what we read is Daniel chapter 9. We talked about in great detail about Daniel chapter 9 in numerous Bible studies before. The gist of Daniel chapter 9 is about the work of restoration concerning the people of Israel. Because we know when Daniel was given his vision, Israel was in captivity in Babylon. However, Yahuwah does not give up on Israel. Yahuwah has plans for the restoration of the people of Israel. First, the physical restoration, and then the spiritual restoration. And so Daniel chapter 9, 25 to 27 outlines for us the events that will bring about this restoration. And we know the climax of that is the appearance of the king, the Messiah, who would be put to death. And after he's put to death, Bible says something's going to happen in the end times. There will be this someone who will confirm a covenant for seven years. And in the middle of the seven years, 
this one who confirmed the covenant in the first place is going to put an end to sacrifice and offering. So apparently in the end times, there's going to be a temple because something's going to happen at, on the wing of that temple. An abomination that causes desolation will be set up, causing the end of sacrifice and offering. So this is what's going to happen in the future. And so when we look at the phrase abomination of desolation, or in this translation, abomination that causes desolation, for us to appreciate and understand what that means, it's good that we look at the two words, abomination and desolation in Hebrew, so that we can be better informed about what this is all about. And so abominations in Hebrew is the word sikus, which is a detestable thing an abominable thing, often involving idolatry. And so it's something detestable to the eyes of God, something detestable to the eyes of the people of God. So that's what the what abomination is, an abominable, detestable thing. Desolation is the Hebrew word samim, which means to be desolate, and to be desolate means a lack of people. So if you have, for example, a place that is filled with people like a city, maybe Jerusalem. It's filled with millions of people. But when it becomes desolate, what does that mean? It means there are no longer people inhabiting the land. It has become desolate. And so there, something's going to happen that will cause desolation or the absence of people. And whatever is going to happen, is it's going to be so horrific Many people will be appalled, they will be stunned, they will be stupefied. And so the abomination of desolation is something detestable and abominable that will stand and bring a disaster so horrible, so horrible that the place will be left barren and onlookers will be left stunned and appalled. So it's an event. Someone's going to do something so crazy. It's going to cause people to be so appalled and stunned. Many people will be killed, many people will be destroyed, and it's going to leave the place barren or empty of people. And so what is this event that will cause the desolation, this abominable event? Well, when we look at some of the passages in the book of Daniel involving the abomination that causes desolation, there are other passages that speak about it. And so let's turn to the book of, uh, book of Daniel. 11, uh, verse 31, his armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice. And they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. And so when Daniel was speaking further and elaborating on the abomination that causes desolation, the one who will set it up is someone who commands armed forces. He is a king. He is a leader. He is a powerful person. And so what he will do is he will rise up. He will surround Jerusalem. And he will cause the temple fortress to be desecrated. And then he will abolish the daily sacrifice. So when we think of the abomination of desolation, it causes the end of the sacrificial system according to the covenant that Yahuwah God made with Israel. 
What also did Daniel say about the abomination of desolation? In Daniel 12, verse 11, from the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. And so the Bible is very specific about the event and about the circumstances of the event that is identified as the abomination of desolation. One of the literal details given to us is that once it begins at the midpoint of the seven-year covenant, after 1,290 days, it's going to be put to an end. In other words, God is going to judge the perpetrator of this abomination of desolation, and his control and authority will be completely removed. He will be judged by Yahuwah God. So when we look at some of the details in the book of Daniel about the abomination of desolation, because after all, it, we were instructed by our King Yahusha to go to Daniel, right? That's why we're here in the book of Daniel. And so when we look at Daniel and examine the abomination of desolation, this is the abomination of desolation prophetic pattern. A ruler will make a seven-year covenant. At the midpoint of the seven years, the ruler's armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple. At the midpoint of the seven years, the ruler will abolish the daily sacrifice. At the midpoint of the seven years, the ruler will become an object of abomination. There will be desolation. The desecration of the temple continues until God's judgment brings it to an end after 1,290 days. So that's the prophecy. And we know when it comes to prophecy, it is a pattern. So we'd like to call this the abomination of desolation prophetic pattern. Question, was the abomination of desolation prophesied by Daniel already fulfilled? Our answer is yes and no. Like with many prophecies in Daniel, in Isaiah, in Jeremiah, many of the prophecies, you know, are patterns. And in these patterns, there's a short-term fulfillment and then a long-term future fulfillment and even fulfillments in between. Okay, short-term, long-term, and in between because prophecy is pattern. So if we were to ask, was this prophecy fulfilled short-term? Yes. Because uh, Daniel kind of elaborates further about the fulfillment of this prophecy when we study the book of Daniel chapter 11. In Daniel 11, 29 to 31, it says, At the appointed time, he will invade the south again. But this time, the outcome will be different from what it was before. Ships of the western coastlands will oppose him, and, we, and he will lose heart. Then he will turn back and vent his fury against the Holy Covenant. He will return and show favor to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. His armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice. Then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. And so here in the book of Daniel chapter 11, we are told there's going to be a ruler who will invade the south. Western coastlands will try to oppose him. Right, And his armed forces will rise up and desecrate the temple. And so what we have here, according to the book of Daniel, are, is a group of nations 
group of kingdoms. There's one in the north and there's one in the south. We talked in great detail about the fulfillment of Daniel chapter 11 in two of our episodes. The first one, prophecy and history. And the second one, prophecy and history part two. And if you didn't, did not get a chance to study these two Bible studies, uh, which is a Bible history project lesson, please do go back and check it out because it's filled with historical details. If you are a lover of ancient history, you're going to love these two episodes because we're going to show you the historical fulfillment, the short-term historical fulfillment of Daniel chapter 11. We're not, I'm not going to go through these two episodes here on this program today, but to give you a, a bird's eye view of what Daniel 11 is all about, it's about the prophecy concerning what will happen after the death of Alexander the Great, who was the leader of the Greek Empire. The Greek Empire was divided into four parts, according to the prophecy, which were the four heads, Cassander, Lysimachus, Seleucus, and Ptolemy. And so according to the prophecy in Daniel 11, after the death of Alexander the Great, Greek, the Greek Empire is going to be divided into four kingdoms. And this will take about 22 years to divide. So Cassander, uh, Lysimachus, Seleucus, and Ptolemy. Of the four, only two really emerge as powerful forces, Seleucus and Ptolemy. And so Seleucus and Ptolemy, they would always be vying for power. And, though, and sometimes Seleucus will be victorious. Sometimes Ptolemy will be victorious. And so an exchange of power will take place between the two. And whoever's winning gets to control what is between them. What is between them? Israel. Okay. And so whoever wins gets the control of Israel. Daniel 11, 15 and 16 says, then the king of the north, the Seleucian kingdom, okay, the north, will come and build up siege ramps and will capture a fortified city. The forces of the south will be powerless to resist. Even their best troops will not have the strength to stand. The invader will do as he pleases. No one will be able to stand against him. He will establish himself in the beautiful land and will have the power to destroy it. The Bible tells us about this power struggle between the king of the north and the king of the south. Eventually, the king of the north will prevail. And the forces of the south will be powerless to resist. And so what will the king of the north do? They will invade the beautiful land. What do you think is a beautiful land? Israel. He's going to invade Israel. And so the northern kingdom would prevail over the southern kingdom. Remember, the north represents the Seleucids. The south represents the Ptolemies. The Seleucids are identified with the kings of the north. The Ptolemies were the kings of the south. The dynasties of the Seleucids and the Ptolemies fought for some 130 years. The stronger of the two always held dominion over the Holy Land. So when we look at the map of their respective jurisdictions, the Seleucid Kingdom occupied that territory in the yellow, the Ptolemic Kingdom that territory in 
the blue. You can see Seleucid's kingdom was, was much more vast compared to Ptolemy. Eventually, the kingdom of the north, the Seleucid kingdom, would prevail and they would occupy that nation in the middle. What is that again? That's Israel, right? And so time would come when the Seleucid kingdom, the king of the north heading that army, would prevail, invade the Holy Land. And when they do, in verse 31, it says his armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice. Then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. And so was this fulfilled? Yes. Short-term fulfillment took place during the days of Antiochus IV. He was a Seleucid king. And he called himself Epiphanes. History identifies him as Epiphanes. Antiochus Epiphanes. What is the meaning of the term Epiphanes? Why is he best known as Antiochus Epiphanes? Well, it should be observed that the title Epiphanes which means the illustrious one, also carries the meaning of very evident or manifest. When you look at the coins, because he made coins of himself, and when you look at the coins that were made, and it's linked up, it linked up this epiphanies with the added title Theos, right? And so when he made these coins, he put himself there, epiphanies, and then uh, theos, which means what? God. Thus, the two in combination meant illustrious God. He called himself, according to the coins, illustrious God. So the two in combination meant God manifest, illustrious God. So not only did Antiochus Epiphanes enthrone himself for adoration by the Jews as he sat in the court of the desecrated Jerusalem temple in 168 BC, but he also claimed divine honors for himself on every major coin that he minted. And so here's a, an example of the coins that he minted, which showcases the glorification of himself. For some reason, leaders like to glorify themselves, right? They write books about themselves. They have museums about themselves and their accomplishments so that they would be forever enthroned, adored by the people that they have led Antiochus Epiphanes was one such leader. He had coins minted to immortalize him to be the illustrious God. Blasphemy, wouldn't you say? What did Antiochus do? He attacked Jerusalem and plundered the Jewish temple. In 168 BC, he sent an army of 20,000 men under Apollonius to level Jerusalem. They entered the city on the Sabbath and crucified 100,000 people who would not worship as idols. Many of the women were horribly mutilated. Young Jewish boys that had been circumcised were hung. Many were sold into slavery. But that was not enough for him. The king was not satisfied, so he issued an edict that there would be just one religion. And so there's this concept of establishing one religion. I want you to keep that in mind because in our future studies, it, it that's also going to be one of the objectives of the Antichrist. And so he set up an edict that there will be one religion in his realm. And of course, it would not be the Jewish religion. So he prohibited the Jews 
from honoring the Sabbath, practicing circumcision, and obeying the Levitical dietary laws. And if you found possessing a copy of the law of Moses was executed, he climbed. By the way, doesn't that give you a, a lot of uh, Antichrist vibes when you read Revelation and when you read what happened in history, it kind of matches, right? And so we can see how Antiochus Epiphanes is one of the earlier fulfillments of the Antichrist figure. So any Jew found possessing a copy of the Law of Moses was executed. He climaxed his campaign on December 14, 168 BC by replacing the Jewish altar with an altar to the Greek god Zeus and sacrificing a pig on it. And so this was the abomination. All Jews were required on pain of death to sacrifice pigs to pagan gods on their altar. The failure of one family member to sacrifice was caused to execute the whole family. And so this was the abomination which caused desolation. And so according to the book, the New Testament era, an altar of Zeus Olympios was set up upon the altar of sacrifice of Jerusalem. Sacrifice was offered there on the 25th of every month, starting with the 25th of Tislev, December 167 B.C. And so when you have something that you do habitually, offering a sacrifice every month, you're basically glorifying yourself as God. The illustrious God is Epiphanes. Since the 25th of the month was celebrated as the birthday of Epiphanes. These sacrifices were actually offered to him. Apocalyptic literature called, the, uh, called this altar of Zeus the abomination that makes desolate. So for many historians and many biblical scholars, the, the event that was led by Antiochus Epiphanes in killing Jews, in setting up the temple for Zeus, in the sacrifice of the pigs, these events were fulfillment of the book of Daniel, chapter 11, 31, Daniel 12, 11. It was a fulfillment of the abomination that causes desolation. So we can say Antiochus Epiphanes desecrated the holy place set up an abomination that led to desolation. However, is that the only fulfillment? When we study the book of Daniel, chapter 11, it is astounding. There has it contains so many prophecies that have been fulfilled, some 135. So if you have time, go back um, to the BHP study concerning Daniel chapter 11, a two-part series on history and prophecy, and you're going to see in detail the historical fulfillment of those prophecies. But at the same time, in that very same chapter, chapter 11 of Daniel, there are also details of Daniel 11 that have not yet been fulfilled. This is why we believe, yes, there was an initial fulfillment in 168 BC, but there's going to be a future fulfillment because not all the details in Daniel 11 and not all the details in the abomination of desolation prophetic uh, pattern were fulfilled. And so there's going to be another fulfillment. And so what happened to um, the, the Syrian kingdom, the Seleucid, and also the king of the north and the king of the south. In 65 BC, the Roman Empire defeated Seleucid Syria, and in 30 BC, it also defeated Egypt. So both the king of the north and the king of the south now come under Roman rule. 
It is also interesting to know that the detailed early part of the prophecy, Daniel 11, seems to end before the first century and not resume until the time of the end referred to in Daniel 11.40. So in our future studies, we're going to examine Daniel 11.40 and beyond and connect that so that we can connect that to what we've uncovered so far so that we can identify who the Antichrist could be. But we're not going to do that today. But eventually, we're going to connect today's study to a future study where we attempt to identify the Antichrist. I'm not going to pretend that I know fully who the Antichrist is, because I don't. <laughs> but we can look at the clues the Bible gives us, and we can put puzzle pieces together, and we can kind of get a, an educated guess. Okay, But we're not going to do that today. What we know so far is when it comes to prophecy, prophecy is pattern. Ecclesiastes 1.9, what has happened before will happen again. What has been done before will be done again. There is nothing new in the whole world. In another translation, history merely repeats itself. In Hosea 12.10, I have also spoken by the prophets and I have multiplied visions and used similitudes by the ministry of the prophet, so many of the prophecies include typology. That's what similitudes are. And in typology and prophecy, it is often repeated. And it has layers of meaning. And so when you look at a prophecy in the Old Testament, it could have multiple uh, patterns or multiple fulfillments. And with each fulfillment, some of the details are being fulfilled, but not all until the final fulfillment, okay? So prophecy can be understood as patterns that repeat themselves with various layers of meaning, multiplied visions. So when we look at the abomination of desolation prophetic pattern, when we examine the historical fulfillment in Antiochus Epiphanes and his abomination of desolation, it fits some of the details, but not all, right? Where's the 1,290 days? Where's the seven-year covenant? And so there are parts, there are details that have not been fulfilled. But the major parts of the pattern we found fulfilled. That's just the nature of prophecy. So the first part was fulfilled. But does the abomination of desolation prophetic pattern have another fulfillment? We believe so. Because our King Yahushua told us so. For example, in Luke 21, 20 to 23, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. And let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon his people. Here our King Yahushua, when he was on earth, he told his disciples something's going to happen in the short term. He showed events that will take place before the end times. So these are events that will take place before the end times. These are not events of the end times but before the end times that will shortly take place after he goes back to heaven. And he says, Jerusalem is going to be in desolation, right? And so there's that word desolation. 
something's going to happen to Jerusalem. It's going to be left desolate. It's going to be desolated. When will this begin to take place? When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies. This is why King Yahushua, when he was speaking to his disciples, be watchful of this event. Because once you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, there's something you have to do if you want to survive. What is that? You have to flee, right? Flee to the mountains. And so in our study entitled, What Does It Mean to Watch? We learn, according to history, the followers of our King Yahushua, his disciples who were watchful, when they saw that Jerusalem was surrounded by the Roman Empire, the Roman army, what did they do? They fled to Pelia and they survived, right? Those who did not follow the instruction of King Yahushua, what happened to them? They fell by the edge of the sword and led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So we know what happened. Shortly after Jerusalem was surrounded by the Roman armies, Titus, son of Ves uh, Vespasian, was the Roman general who led the siege and destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. He had been serving under his father in the campaign against the Jewish revolt and took command after Vespasian, Vespasian returned to Rome. Titus was known for his military skill and leadership, which was critical in the successful but brutal siege of Jerusalem. And so when Jerusalem was sieged, over one million Jews were killed. And those who were not killed, according to our King Yahushua, they would be led, led captive into all nations. And that's exactly what happened. They were sold into slavery and were dispersed throughout the world. And this would be the case up until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And so our King Yahushua said there's going to be desolation, which was fulfilled in 70 AD. And on that day, the days of vengeance would be fulfilled. And he said, all things which are written must be fulfilled. However, when the Bible spoke about the prophecy concerning the days of desolation, not all were fulfilled yet. And this is why when we look at the pattern of the abomination of desolation prophecy, we know many of what is mentioned in this prophetic pattern of the abomination of desolation is present in the 70 AD destruction of Jerusalem. You have the ruler, you have the destroying of the temple, you have the abolishing of the daily sacrifices because after all, there's no more temple. You have the desolation of Jerusalem itself because no one was left in Jerusalem. They were all dispersed, right? So you have the details of the prophetic pattern of the abomination of desolation, but not all of it, which means what? Well, if not all things were fulfilled, there must be a third and future fulfillment, right? And that's exactly what our King Yahushua said. Matthew 24, 6 to 8. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen but the end is still to come nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom there will be famines and earthquakes in various places all these are the beginning of birth pains so when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet daniel 
let the reader understand. And so our King Yahushua is speaking now about the end times because he was asked by his disciples, what are the, sign of, the signs of the end? And Yahushua says the end times begins when nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. This is a reference to World War Number One. And so Yahushua speaking about an event, a major event in the end times, not in 70 AD, but the end times. And so there's a distinction in time here. The first desolation mentioned by our King Yahushua, he talks about the desolation of Jerusalem and connects it as a, a fulfillment, a partial fulfillment of the abomination of desolation prophecy. And so we have so far two fulfillments of the abomination of desolation prophecy, both in the past, but there's also a future fulfillment. So there will be three fulfillments, two in the past and one in the future. When will this take place? It will take place before the return of our King Yahushua. And so what is going to happen when the abomination that causes desolation is set up in the holy place of the temple? Yahushua says, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time no, nor ever shall be. When you go back to the days when Antiochus Epiphanes destroyed Jerusalem and conquered the people there, it was brutal, right? But 70 AD was more brutal than that. This one is going to be even more brutal than that. Because I think Yahushua says, this one called the Great Tribulation, Nothing like that has happened in the past. Nothing like that will ever happen in the future. So this is the great tribulation. And so this abomination of desolation is going to bring forth that great tribulation. And so something is going to happen, something so abominable that will bring forth a disaster that will cause desolation of Jerusalem. And so that's when all these specific details of this pattern is going to be fulfilled. And who's going to cause this abomination of desolation? Well, we know it was Antiochus Epiphanes, then Titus, or, or the Roman emperors. Now we have the Antichrist. So in the past, we have the first fulfillments of the Antichrist figure. Because Apostle John said that the spirit of the Antichrist was already present. And so we know that the spirit of the Antichrist was already doing its work even before the Antichrist shows up. But when he actually shows up, it's going to be a completely different. He's the Antichrist. And we know that Daniel 11 gave us some hints about this Antichrist. So we're going to make an attempt to determine who the Antichrist is. And we're going to use Daniel 11. Because in Daniel 11, it tells us about the king of the north. We know from the king of the Seleucid Empire was the source of the one of the first iterations of the Antichrist figure, Antiochus Epiphanes. And so if prophecy is patterned doesn't it make sense? 
that the future Antichrist is also going to be king of the north? What do you mean? Is it possible that the Antichrist is going to come is going to come from the kingdom of the Seleucids? Do you remember what, what nations were occupied by the Seleucid Empire? This was, this is uh, the map of the Seleucid Kingdom compared to the Ptolemaic Kingdom. And when you look at that map and kind of superimpose a map of today's nations, this is kind of what you get. Seleucids includes Turkey, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan. If I were you, I'm going to be watchful and watching what these nations, Iran, Iraq, Syria, Turkey, what they're doing and how their relationship with Israel is. Because if the prophecy or the pattern holds true, and that the Antichrist is going to come from the north or from the Seleucid kingdom, the Antichrist could be an Islamic figure or a Muslim. And we're going to explore that possibility in our study, not next week, but the week after in our future BQA. But what will this future Antichrist do? 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 to 4. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And so that is what the Antichrist, that will be the Antichrist. Not, an, not the first uh, fulfillment of it, but the major fulfillment of it. He's going to sit at the temple of God. He's going to oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God. He's going to show himself that he is God. And could he come from one of those kingdoms that belong to the Seleucian territory of old? It could be. But for us to kind of uh, make an educated guess, we need to look at more clues that the Bible gives us. And it turns out the Bible it, the Bible gives us a lot of information about who the Antichrist is. So we're going to look at all those clues. We're going to connect them to what we studied today. So I want you to keep that in mind. And we're going to look for clues about where he will come from, what he will do, and then conclude so that we can see who could be the possibility of the Antichrist? Who the Antichrist could be? I'm not saying I know fully who he is. I'm not going to say, and I'm not going to disclose the person's name. <laughs> we don't know until he comes. However, when you look at the clues and put the clues together, you can come with a pretty, pretty reasonable, educated guess concerning who the Antichrist is. But again, we're not going to do that today, but in our next uh, BQA, well, not our next BQA, but the one after that. That is our lesson for today. Let us all stand for our concluding prayer. Almighty and merciful Father, Yahuwah Abba, thank you so much for blessing your people, giving us the wisdom that we need. You want us to be informed. You want us to be aware because Father, for your people, we have no reason to fear because nothing is new to you. 
All events have been mapped out according to prophecy. And so we look forward to the day when you will send your beloved son. Father, please bless all of us that we might grow in faith, grow in hope, and be inspired by your teachings. Our King Yahushua, strengthen, please, our faith. Bless our hearts and our minds and help us to do our best that we can be your instruments in proclaiming your righteousness. Father, please forgive all our sins, cleanse us always, and heal us, please, of all our sicknesses. We ask everything, Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha Amashiach. Amen.